I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to an episode of Private Pulse. Is that what we're doing? A history lesson, maybe. We're talking history. There's a lot of it. Oh, there is a lot of it. How many a, years? There's a lot to discuss. How many years of history is there? Well, I mean, that's a big question. Mm-hmm. They're now starting to revise what, how old they think human civilization is. Well, how, how old is it? Pretty fucking old, apparently. Give it to me. Oh, 250,000 years. No, I don't know. <laughs> I, a million. A million years? Yeah. <laughs> they're, starting to re, they're starting to revise what they first thought. <laughs> you already said that. You already said that you're trying to make I'm that sound. I'm revising <laughs> what I've also said. Um, sorry, I'm just getting prepped for Dan Snow. That's going to come out. Just... Uh, is it intimidating having such a... Just um, touching up on my verbose... Is, uh, it, is it intimidating, do you think, having such a prevalent historian coming on? Um, it is a bit. Mm. It's going to be... We've got to, you know, we've got to be sensible. We've got to be on the ball. Can't just... Can't sit back and talk blowjobs and no. like, like we did with Alaska. No, we can't do that. We've got to, we've got to get well, into it. the last of quite a few of our guests. I, I, did, I did some revision last night. Did you? I was up till 3am. <laughs> okay. That playing was... Call of Duty. <laughs> Sort of historical, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a battle. Was there a gun? <laughs> yeah. um, um, what a great guy. Dan is a historian. He is a um, presenter, a podcaster. He has his own history channel. Um, he has his apps. He has lots of different things. He has a, I mean, his CV is pretty endless and he is just an amazing guy. He came on the podcast. I'm really excited about this one because history is important. And what he said so profoundly is that the only way to know about what's going to happen in the future is if we look at our past. That is the best playbook to look at. Love that. It's sort of what he said, but not quite. Right, well. Well, he, well, listen, should we wait for him to do it? Yeah. I All mean, right. we'll, we'll do him a disservice otherwise. Okay, here we go. You ready for this, ladies right. and gentlemen? Intro us, Jay. Come on, big one. I want, like, your top, top okay. drawer intro. Imagine BBC historian. Radio 1. Okay, historian, presenter. Welcome, Dan Snow. Enjoy. Dan, before we kick off the podcast, we do a very special thing that is slightly awkward for you, not for me. Because yeah, um, we like making our guests be uncomfortable. Um, so you have to look down the camera and you have about 30 seconds to describe who you are. Okay. Is that, and you could listen, you can say what you can say, you can say, you could say. I'm a father. You a synopsis of, a your, of your entire proud, life. I'm I'm on proud. Twitter, proud dad. Always the tell, isn't it? <laughs> Fucking crap. <laughs> He's like a do a Maximus. Uh... My name is Maximus. Yeah. Maximus. There yeah. we go. Okay, yeah. here we go. Okay, we're ready for it. My name is Dan Snow, and I use every single platform the internet has given us to gossip about dead people. <laughs> that is the greatest <laughs> intro I nice. think we've ever had. That that is. I think that was the first um, thing that I wanted to ask you. We we get asked these questions right about if you could have a dinner table and you oh. could have people who would sit around the dinner table and who you would have and all those kind of things. If you could have four people dead or alive, who would you have? 
can't ask me that. I can't ask, can't ask me, you that. Like, that's like asking. Yours would all be dead, I, right? I don't know shit about physics, but I do know that apparently, if you know, they, you tell you in school that mass is the same across every, you're always the same, you're the mass is the same, it doesn't change. Energy. Could be on Mars, yeah. could be on Earth, your weight is different. Apparently that's not true. What do you mean? I, well, I don't know what I mean, but apparently it's not true. So if you ask a physicist, is mass constant, their yeah. head will explode. Yeah. Is, this explode. is this quantum physics? Apparently, yeah. yeah. So I don't it's know, that, listen, all I, you now know oh, as much okay. as I know about this. So my point being is an extended way of saying that if you ask someone who loves history and thinks about history all the time, what their four favorite people from history on a dinner party table would be, I, my head explodes. Okay. That, that, that is such people, a cop-out. That is the biggest know, cop-out. I haven't finished. I'm going to give it to you, obviously, buddy. But I'm, what I'm Come saying on, he's is, a professional. Let him do it. He's going darling. on an arc. Come he's on, darling. He's teasing us. Oh, my God. No, the Sorry. Point, but the point, but like, it, 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 I spend all day, every day thinking about that. It's brutal. Whereas most people don't spend too much time thinking about history. So they go, I don't know, Boudicca, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King. It's quite easy. But for mm. me, I'm like, well, like, just would they get on? I don't know. Because, of course, that thing she wrote that one time in the letter, but she she contradicted it later. So you get neurosis. Yeah, so I make, I'm in a flat, flat panic. Yeah, it's my yeah. least favorite question. You get anxiety about I, table seating. I get incredible anxiety yeah. about whether Alexander the Great is going to be such a dick that Nelson is going to fall out with it. <laughs> what would you cook? You must have thought no, about that. No, I'm going to therapy for that. I'm going to therapy for that. I'm still trying to get them around the table. I, I So basically, there's, there's obviously million, I mean, endless people like Emperor Theodora who rose from being a... I think you charitably would call her a a kind of a, a dancing girl entertainer. You know, certainly someone from the very, very un, like an underclass in, in the Eastern Roman Empire. She rose to become empress in her wow. own. You know, astonishingly powerful and brilliant woman. So you'd have so you'd have her. So have her. She, she's she's, she's oh, the chase. Okay? She's, she's the dancer. <laughs> no, on the contrary, she's the intellectual. No, she's the yeah, intellectual. So, but no, go. to see that to have someone who's lived that kind of life would yeah. be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, you know, there's, uh, there's, oh God. Shackleton. Shackleton, you'd want to have there, wouldn't you? Because he was extraordinary. Nelson, my one favourite story is that Nelson and Wellington, Mm. Admiral, General, two greatest military minds of their time, possibly of any time. They met once for 20 minutes in an ante room in the outside sort of office of the Foreign Secretary's office, basically. Mm. They were both due to have a meeting. No one knows what was said in that room. Mm-hmm. Nelson left that meeting was dead within 18 months Wellington said in his older years I don't think I've ever had such an extraordinary conversation really? get out of here wow. yeah and Wellington was a man who hated everyone who was completely yeah. he was, the famous expression about Wellington is he had a intellectual disdain for his social equals and a social disdain for his intellectual equals so he just hated everybody because mm. they were stupider than him and less posh than him he hated everybody and for him to say that about Nelson was high praise reminds me of this guy yeah, well, there you go it's <laughs> tough being a genius and yeah. super posh very yeah. tough very tough but he's, he's managing but so to have Nelson like to Wellington Nelson, to, to know what happened in that conversation would be amazing to have them in the room would be cool so that they would be cool um, you know someone like fascinating stuff to leaders though you know, typically leaders have that sort of attitude, though. You know, we you talk of the likes of Churchill and things like that. Churchill, you know, suffered with depression, was, you know, a grumpy guy, you know, all these kind of things. And why with that sort of, um, do you have to have that slightly sociopathic mind? I mean, what, what is it? What, what do, what do, I suppose my question is this. What do all military leaders or leaders in general have typically in common? Well, that's a really good point. I've been thinking a lot about this recently because mm. I actually am someone who... I'm a bit less bulletproof than I was when I was in my 20s. And I suffer from, you know, I get anxiety about, I cut sometimes up at night worrying about things. You don't want to listen to my podcast, you know, whatever. So, and I think that is objectively a really tiny concern. Like, what mm. a loser. I mean, get on mm. with it, right? But and Liz Truss, 
has basically brought the entire financial system to its knees, has destroyed her own credibility, yeah. Prime Minister. But weirdly, has no she's anxiety. Got, well, no, well, I don't know, but she's got Vladimir, but by the way, side note, got Vladimir Putin talking about using nuclear weapons. Yeah. Like, this is objectively an incredibly challenging day at work, right? And mm. and yet she just kind of, well, I, I'm like, is, is it? I couldn't, I've real depressingly, I've now realised I couldn't do that. I think I would have a physical breakdown. Yeah. And these people don't do that. So how does, how did the German commanders in World War II fight? And when it was hopeless for like two or three years towards the end of the war, and they just got up every day and ordered people to go to their deaths, knowing it could put, do no good whatsoever. Wow. Like, so I think there must be a level of sociopathic. I think it's kind of survival of the fits. I think people like me would have gone, actually, I just don't think I fancy being an up and coming politician. I yeah. think I'll just go and start a podcast or whatever. So I think you, the ones left in it must be like, hard as nails or sociopathic. Well, you, you know, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist, but like, there is something going on there. I agree. Mm, right? yeah. And it's just like walk to there. You know, you think you look at Trump and Johnson, they're so similar, right? It's Trump and Johnson, clearly they've got a thing, which I, uh, I definitely sympathize with. They will say whatever <laughs> they, need say, they need to say, whatever they need to say to get them through the next five minutes. Yeah, yeah. they would. It's, it's just pure. Some, there's a problem here. And mm. I'm like, I put it in the top, you know, when your wife is yelling at you, you're like, I put it in the top drawer. Yeah. <laughs> and then at least that's going to cause an absolute problem later on right but it's going to get you out of this immediate five minute situation and then yeah. you, you can deal with that problem tomorrow or it's, too, it's the but instant relief it's, it's, instant, it's, like, it's the instant relief yeah. that is so right yeah and, it, and then and then it goes and then that's donald trump goes hey, there they planted those documents and now that now it's in a Kate court of law like well if they plant the doc if you're suggesting they plant documents x y and z he's like oh jeez <laughs> I was joking, I just, right? but, but, but then it's like I need to do something to get through this thing. And like you just event, and sometimes it works. Has, right? has there been a period of history, of British politics, uh, political history, where there's been such a mess? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always been with like yeah, useless kind of figureheads like this. Well, this feels a slight, I think we got the slightly talent. new territory. Yeah, I mean, the interesting is the mid 19th century there was a, a big mess. But they were pretty impressive people, like your boy Aberdeen and Gladstone, those guys, mm. Russell. So uh, they were like objectively pretty cool. I, even though they then got in a mess, because life is hard, mm. politics is hard, the Great Potato Famine happened, like, you know, mm. it is difficult and night, nightmarish. There was a period at the end of the American Revolutionary War when it was a shambles. We had like four, six prime ministers in two years or three years. So that was a, three or four years. So that was a, that was a nightmare and they were not super impressive. So I think the times, you know, the times do produce, you know, they, they, it's tough to be a great, Prime Minister, when everything is going tits up around you, right? Mm. So, but it is, there is some, there does seem to be something about modern politics. Like, they're not saying their best, are they? No. But then who would want that? Like, I'm, that we're all saying, like, I don't, well, I'm certainly saying I couldn't, I couldn't do that job. It's like, did you, did you, so did you read that? Did you read the book, uh, Fire and Fury? Did you? Uh, yeah, the, the Trump one. Yeah, the Trump yeah, one, yeah. which was fascinating because when it was, when Trump was elected, he described it as the, like the show, the theater show, the producers. Yeah, it was yeah. like the biggest disaster yeah. that actually then won them the election. Yeah. And Trump apparently walked into a room. He turned what sheet white, he walked into a room and they came out and went, yeah. all right, let's do this. Because yeah. <laughs> he didn't think he was going no, to win, no. did he? Yeah. I love that expression, the dog that caught the car. You know the way dogs like... <laughs> Oh, they dog. go after they it. Go, yeah, rah, rah, yeah, like, yeah. Run along. And then eventually they catch the car. What the hell are they going to do with it? It's a giant <laughs> aluminium <laughs> box. You chew the tires. That's like, that's like, so it's like Trump and Brexit. We're yeah. like, yay, let's do this thing. Oh my God, we've done it. And I think that's, so Hitler had that when I was, when the Second World War broke out, he, he had been assured that Britain would not declare war against him if he invaded Poland. And then he invaded, Britain declared war against him when he invaded Poland. And he looked up at his foreign secretary who was pale and, and he just went, what now? <laughs> 
because we've got a big problem now, right? We do not want to fight Britain. Yeah. And and um and so yeah, and it's that same thing. It's like yeah, this will be fine, and then it actually happens. But the, you know, with the with these conversations, it's so easy, especially with your mind, to, for us to jump because we have so many questions, and and mm -hmm. also uh, our audience will know. You know, we're not the we're not the biggest uh, guys on history, are we? Alex? We don't. Hey, hey, we don't. We don't. But however, what is so fascinating having you on is that there is this lack of knowledge of history at the moment. Um, because people see it as a subject, they see it um, as tedious, and people want, you know, present. We're, we're so present now with TikTok, social media, all those different things, let's see, and, and the next entertainment, entertaining thing, that actually we forget our history. And your background is a historian. That's, that's who and what you are. That's a big statement from us. It's not what you are. Proud dad. Yeah, proud dad. You're a proud dad. <laughs> but, but where did that love for history start? So that's the weird thing about me. I've never seen history as something that's dead and buried. I came from a family journalist, my mum and dad, both journalists and cousin journalists and the whole family. Journalists. So, so, and they were, they were literally the definition of modern day and, and future. Like all they did was chase about mm. looking for whatever, this plane crash, that political crisis, that strike, whatever it is. So they were, but they, through that, you realize that the, the history is where all this stuff comes from. So you're not delving back, looking into history just because you have a kind of a weird, artistic fascination with Henry VIII's wardrobe, or some people are, and good luck to them. You're looking at history because you need to understand what on earth is going on, right? Mm. What is going on in Ukraine? What is Israel doing? What is Iran doing? What is everyone doing? Why, what is Berlusconi doing? Like, what, if, you want to if you want to know about the future, you want to know if President, what President Putin's going to do next, right? You don't know what is in the future, so the only playbook you got is the past, so you might mm. as well have a quick look at that. Wow, I, I never thought of it that way. There you go. And so why is, why have we, why did we do Brexit? Why did Trump happen? Why are we all speaking English? Like if you're interested in the world, which we all are, if you're interested in these amazing, fascinating people, that, mm. humans and the weird stuff we do. Yeah, it's, it's good to look at them in the present. But the first thing you do is go like, what happened to that? Look at you with your friends. This is a classic, like mm. you know, with mates or family members, you got to, to understand anything about what they, how they're manifesting, what, how they go through the day. You've got to look at their past. Of course you do. Look at mm. the trauma they've suffered, the bereavement, the, mm. the, the, the childhood trauma, the bad luck, the good luck, the privilege in my case. Thank, you know, I've been incredibly lucky in my life. That's why I'm sitting here all confident and perky, <laughs> right? But I, because nothing bad's ever happened to me, right? I mean, yeah. child of extraordinary privilege. So I think that we all know that in our mates. Then we see it in our families and our communities. But the same is true of countries and empires and hold the whole human race. We're just a product of, of our past. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think, but I don't think people realize that. Like, you know, when you, when you outline it very simply like that, that's of course we do. You know, if you look at therapy, the biggest, as you said, the biggest thing with therapy is we go back to our yeah. past, what has happened and therefore we can understand the future. That's and right. that is, our, it's our only playbook. I never thought of it that way. I, I was, I listened to you on that. You were on an Australian history podcast and you were talking mm. about. Is this when you were researching? This is when I was researching. Straight to Australian Where is it going to be good? Here Who we doesn't? go. Late last night. <laughs> yeah. um, and you would sort of, you, you'd mentioned what you just said, but then talking about the other side of it, where actually like, you know, sometimes holding on to history too much yeah. can be negative. You know, you've got issues in Israel and people that just, they don't forget what happened a hundred years ago and they're killing each other over it. So there, there is that kind of like other side of it, which can be- And that's what does my head in. Negative. Because I'm, I'm here all day going, you don't remember your history. And then you're like, yeah, but not that much. Like, you know, hang on. And if you go to Northern Ireland, you're just like, whoa, this is a, even today, like it's such, these communities just divided by these things happened hundreds of years ago. So I guess the answer is like therapy. I guess the answer is you go back, you explore it, you work it out. And then you, and then you understand that it doesn't, it doesn't make, it doesn't, it's not destiny. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah. The past isn't destiny. The past is pushing us towards these different areas. But it doesn't mean we've got to be like that, you know? Mm. And I think that's something I've worked on if I look at my past and, the, you know, there's bits that I'd like to be better at and change. I'm not here just going, well, I grew up in a pretty misogynistic world, so I want to be a misogynist. Like, you know, you've got to go, geez, I grew up, that's interesting how I grew mm. up and some of those assumptions. I need to, I need to kind of, that's some things I need to work on. And, and so I, I guess that's the line, but it's that's so gaining self-awareness. Quite, it's, though, right? it's that, quite, that's um, the, the self-awareness that you gain throughout life. As you were saying that, I was also thinking about the other whole side of it, which is not just like, I'm in Jerusalem. Why can't I cross this roadblock to East Jerusalem? Ah, because of the Six Day War in 1967. I think there's another, like, <laughs> that's obviously, I was actually in a taxi. <laughs> I love how you're just standing there saying that to everyone. As well. I, although I wasn't, well, that's the thing. In some parts of the world, people are very aware of the history. We talk, you know, as you just said, they're too aware of the history. So I was in a taxi mm. once and there was a, in, uh, on the West Bank and there was a huge traffic jam and there was an Israeli checkpoint up ahead. And I said to this Palestinian taxi driver, I was like, hey, what happened here? And he, I joke you not, he said, in the 7th century, Muhammad captured Jerusalem. So his description of why we were in stationary traffic began in the 7th century with the Islamic ca uh, capture of Jerusalem. That was literally... So I'm like, okay, well, here, let's do this. But I mean... Start from the... Yeah, just, just, like, just really, that, that's, like, that's like not realising who's in your car. And then suddenly when you say you go... Oh, fuck. We no, no, on, the, on the contrary, I was like the best audience ever. I'm like, no, I agree. It did actually, like, I'm, let's get into it. Like, it's, mm. it is, this is where the traffic jam story begins. But as, but as you're saying that, I'm reminded that, like, people might still be thinking, like, yeah, this is fine, but maybe I don't. Actually, it's, it is, it's about, history is also about, like, a mindset, which is, it's, 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 um, be, di don't, like, whether it's religion, whether it's political leaders, whether it's promises made, whether it's fake news, it's about bringing that historical mindset, which is, be skeptical, be cynical, mm. search for evidence, do your own research. This is on the internet for by people who haven't done their own research. Like, like, I, I, like challenge yourself, I, like seek out, seek out, like, why am I being told this piece of information? Who is this person telling me this? And is it likely to be true? Right. Mm. And that's why history actually, we're all running around going, what do we do about fake news? Yeah. Well, history is like, the, it's like the vaccine. It's like the shot for fake news. Cause you just encourage people to go, is it, in your opinion, lightly that Hillary Clinton is running a paedophile ring out of a pizza parlor. <laughs> I know right? this is. is that lightly? I, I guess history is about um, your best kind of educated estimation of taking it. Like it's it's pulling research from all sides. Nothing's ever definite, right? That's because because you weren't there, so you have to. Which is quite useful now as well because we are so misled, as you said. Yeah, well, that's exactly um, to teach you humility. Mm. So basically, I realise I have no idea what is going on inside Downing Street today. And I've you know, literally, we're following people on Twitter and sort of half telling them, but I don't know what's going on, right? We, we've got pretty good access. We've got all these sources coming at us on Twitter. It's everyone's telling us the news. And yet you don't, you don't really know what is going on deep down. How, so what chance have we got of understanding what's going on a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago at the court of Augustus or William the Conqueror? So just have some humility. It's all our best guess. We're all, we're all making a judgment based on the evidence available. And therefore, be, I think it takes away that kind of arrogant certainty. I think yeah, I think that as a as a as a method across everything is super useful. Yeah. There, it's a way there, to avoid like <clears throat> arguments because it's like I'm not yeah. saying it's definitely true. This is just what I've kind of balance of probability is probably this. We could be wrong. Yeah, but, so there, 
But as a historian, and there's that sort of lays itself to this question: if you if you're about the past and thinking about that, and sort of trying to understand it in lots of ways, and you're fascinated by it, there's a there's a chat show host in America who does all these James questions. Corden. Not James Corden. <laughs> Um, but one of the questions is, is that he asks his guests, he says, what happens when we die? And so if I was going to say that to you as a historian, I'd say, well, what happens when we die then? What, what, what do you think happens? Right. Well, what I would, the only thing I would say is I have been in some pretty mad places. I've been in mm. Egyptian tombs. I've been in the basement, the remains of Aztec pyramids, temples. I've been to Maori par sites in special sites of special religious significance in New Zealand. I've been in soaring Gothic cathedrals here in Western Europe. I've been in stone circles or right across again, Northwest Europe. I've been in amazing uh, Inuit sort of spiritual burial ground, you might call it, up in the Arctic Circle in Canada. So what I can say is that there's no, the, the suggestion that there seems to me that every culture makes up their own, has their own theory about mm. uh, what happens after we die. And that there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of agreement between them. And it's not based on much it's, evidence. So therefore, the, our ideas about death are very much formed in life mm. uh, and formed by, by the way. There's that theory of the, of the elephant where you've got, so there's like 10 different, you know, people or civilizations all standing around the elephant, but they can only hold on or grasp a particular part of that yeah. elephant. So they're all... You know, they're all grasping onto the same thing, but they only get that one perception. So the one that is on the side of the elephant thinks that it's a wall. The one that's on the trunk thinks that it's like a pipe. So they, they're all trying to sort of access the same thing, but they've all got very different viewpoints to it. Yeah, I um, love that. Which, which I quite like. Yeah, that's really like nice. That. Yeah. Um, Except that unlike the elephants, so far, as far as we can tell, none of those cultures that I mentioned seem to have been proved right, as it were. Like the Egyptians didn't live forever in those tombs like mm. you know there's not um, i mean not, unless, in, not in the physical realm, not in the physical sense no perhaps yeah. perhaps in a way that we can't understand of course that, that they are still there Tutankhamun is having great old time with his many many pairs of boxer shorts that, that was buried with him <laughs> is that where they go yeah, yeah. mine seems to fucking disappear yeah. Mate, yeah. i tell you if you need spares yeah. Yeah. it's one of those really awkward things the museum in cairo is like Here's our very exciting collection of hundreds of pairs of Tutankhamun's <laughs> pants. And we need to curate them all because they're all so special. But you're like, they are all identical. They're just mm. pants. You do become less uh, less of a risk taker, mate. Oh because, you know, you've been, to the, you've been to Congo, you've been to Syria, you've been to all these places, these war-torn areas, you know, putting yourself in danger a lot of the time. And, and do you then stop doing that because... Yeah, well, that was just a horror show. Can you explain what happened? That must be amazing. So I spent my whole 20s being like Johnny Big Bollocks and trying to go to war zones. And the BBC never sent me to any of them. And then, and then finally... Because you were too tall. I was too tall. And, <laughs> Such and, an easy and had no obvious skills. Get down! No obvious reason or skills to yeah, be sent. So You're just... They're like, shut up. <laughs> go and present this card. Go and present a program about Welsh castles. So I kept saying, well, the thing is, I find about war journalism, it's all, you know, it's like, bang, bang, bang. What's that? Amazing. I, what I would like to see is like, why are these people fighting? Like mm. what, why? Like on a deeper level, like mm. why are these people fighting? So in the case of Syria, like you go all the way back and you talk about different sects of Islam and you talk about French colonization. You talk about how Lebanon was like hacked off Syria and given to it, like an, made an independent country and bits were nicked by Turkey and all this kind of stuff. 
And so the, I used to go on about this and I talked about that in terms of Afghanistan, Syria, and they ignored me. And I, you, know, you couldn't make this up. I, I actually was in the hospital with my wife having had our first child. Mm. And I got a phone call and it was like, that idea we've been going for for ages, they want to go for it. They want to go for the Syria idea. And I'm like, well, actually, just I am um, yeah, yeah. Welsh <laughs> castles and a tweed jacket yeah, suit yeah. me down to the old yeah. ground. Yeah. Can I take a kid with you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the paternity. So I then... I did it, and actually, I did it against my brother, and it was all, it was a very, very scary and awful experience. A, it was um, it was scary because you're in a war zone, and B, it was awful because I wasn't I, I was very reluctant, and there's almost like you know almost like when you when you're playing football and you go for a tackle, you got to go in for the tackle, then you're yeah. less likely to get injured. I just basically was sort of terrified the whole time and hovering about, and and um, <laughs> and then we got you know we got that program made, and then we did one more, which is in the Congo, which was equally. And then some cases actually slightly more scary because it's less, it was just more instability there and sort of crime and violence that you were worried about on the roads and stuff. Mm. Anyway, and and actually the the fizzing, it's amazing. Again, talk about being a sociopath. The, the, the fizzing adrenaline in your blood constantly mm. when you're there is extraordinary. Like you're- Can you describe you, that? Yeah, there was, it, I can only describe it as fizzing, your heightened awareness. So it's like your fight or flight, but all, but all mm. the time, super weird. Yeah, so you're, yeah. you're just- sometimes obviously it reaches a climax but even when you just like get up and have breakfast you're just there's a there's a everything is heightened as i it keeps coming back to that word fizzing your arteries are physic and oh, yeah. i thought and that's bad for you obviously in the long term and 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 uh it's kind of um and by the way i was doing nothing compared to people like all Gehring and all these lifelong war correspondents who do that all the time probably quite I mean, addictive might, well that's the like when thing. you come back from it like and you don't have that well, that's, that's, that's the is, problem this right? is the, then, this is that yeah. problem. so i then got and I thought, I am. I hate this. I really am hating it. I felt, mm. so, I felt very selfish. I wasn't an aid worker. I wasn't a soldier trying to do my bit. I was just there for it's the kind of tool the likes. talking about history. I was there for the likes <laughs> and retweets, right? And it, so therefore you felt a little bit, you felt very selfish. Mm. And I couldn't bear to think that my daughter, you know, awful. And so uh, so I, I came home and I remember and the, I remember taking off, whether it was from, uh, you know, we didn't time out Damascus, we took the border and then we would take off out of Lebanon, Beirut, or from Congo, took off, left Kinshasa. And I remember, oh, and then two weeks later, I was on a dual carriageway in England. It was raining mm. and I was doing some lame thing. And I had a sudden little flash. I was like, oh, I wish I was back there. Mm. No way. Yeah, and I went, oh, none of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That way madness lies. But I had this little, and I really wow. noted it and said that I'm not going to do that. But yeah. I had this, it was, and I was on a dual carriageway looking at that stupid, I'll never forget that little gray crash barrier that we have in Britain around, you know, around yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, that's lame. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm used to bombs going. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> what's, oh yeah. What's that, that for? I wonder if it was that. Yeah, you're right. I, but where I, does that come from? I, well, it was something, you're right. It was excitement a, some, there was a Yeah, I guess it was a living, living every day in the second and getting through it. You get addicted to that stress Hormone, apparently. Uh, well, like, that's, that's what it must have been. Mm. But that again, so look at colleagues who really do that for a living. I did. I tried to dip my toe in the water. But you think, bloody hell, that's a, that's a scary. You're you're dancing with the devil. There. Yeah. But 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 that type of journalism, you you must really thrive on because that 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 has everything you 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 kind of want and you dream about, right? That for me, if I had been if I was asked to do what if I was given a budget and a show and told do what I want to do, it would be do that, which was go to unstable places in the world and explain why, in a, like not in a kind of three, four minute format, but like 20 minutes, why they're a mess. Mm. And and just go into the history, go into that deeper past and, and talk about where those prejudices, where those fault lines are come from. That is my, so weird, because I, you know, I'd say family journalists, studied history at university, didn't pursue a formal professional history career in academic and stuff, left, abandoned that to go and work at the BBC. So I felt I sit right in between the two. That's what I can do. And that's how I could be different. Mm. And then uh, no one wanted that. So um, 
you know. <laughs> Dale Kaylin, we're going to stop there for part one. I'm loving this. We're going to come back for part two where we have more questions. And I want to talk about when you went and saved 25 people <laughs> on a little dinghy boat and took them back from Calais. Yeah? Looking forward to it. Okay, see you in part two. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.